0: Longhorn pod on Twitter. You can shoot us an email, longhornrepublicpod at gmail dot com, or you can follow us on Facebook and Instagram at the Longhorn Republic. My name is Gerald Gooder. I'm your host this week, like I am every week, and I'm joined by the Commissioner of the Super League, Kyle Carpenter. Kyle, how are you?
1: I'm I'm very good. uh All the soccer fans know exactly what what Gerald is talking about. uh I I likened it to, and I think the the specific examples they used were if if UTOU, USC, Oregon, Alabama, UGA, Florida, Notre Dame, and Ohio State. All joined to make a super conference. There are some specific ones that I intentionally uh, left out of there, and that's because our friend in the group chat was an Aggie, and I, I wanted to make sure that he understood that they were nowhere near the college football equivalent of the Super League. And honestly, I'm going to be honest, I don't think the, the, the Super League, uh, as it is is intended, is going to happen right now either. But hit us with your hottest soccer takes, either about the uh, the soon Super League featuring, obviously, Manchester United, or your soccer takes about uh, you know the, the women's soccer team at... Long one pod.
0: I, I said this on Twitter and I struggle with that being like the example because I've long said that like those teams need to leave the NCAA. So like that that metaphor, everyone's like, this is a bad thing. I'm like, but all those teams do need to leave the NCAA behind. So that's the problem with the metaphor there.
1: We could turn this into an actual conversation because look what UEFA, the kind of governing, there's FIFA and, and UEFA. Uh, governing bodies of, of international competition currently existing in soccer uh, have said they will ban anyone who competes in this other competition from playing in the World Cup uh, and or European Championships. So, um, you know, NCAA in, in this future vision where I think a lot of folks have issues with NCAA and, and want to to rid themselves of it and FIFA you think NCAA is bad, my friend? FIFA is one of the most corrupt organizations <laughs> in the face of the planet. I'm probably on a list for saying this out loud, but uh, yeah, the the NCAA could, you know, push back and figure out a way. So it, it's interesting and it's tricky in moving out of these things, these large organizations that govern sports. Is 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 it's perilous. It is not an easy step. But you're right. I, I think in college football, it would it would make for an interesting move. Uh, you know, in European soccer, we'll see. I mean,
0: conference year alignment was a thing for a whole summer, and it was a thing for a couple of summers. And I hope it comes back. Let's just (laughs) leave that there. We've actually got important things to talk about instead of speculation about conferences. The portal pirate, our new basketball coach, Chris Beard, made a deep dive into the portal. We will dive in on his new coaching staff, the players coming back, the players joining the players coming back, some players that won't be joining them, and some still undecideds. Texas had its second scrimmage of the spring season. Not a ton of groundbreaking stuff out of that, but we do have some conversation have ahead of the spring game. A lot of other sports in action. Volleyball, baseball, both tennises, golf, softball, track, all of them are in action, so we'll talk about all of those that are down the 40. Burn Orange Lenses, some uh, high-level athletes doing high-level things, and then we'll close it out with Godzillatron and bang the drum. So we've got to start with what was an absolutely blockbuster like 7 days worth of news from the basketball team. So about an hour after we stopped recording last Monday, the first of these dominoes fell, which was the announcement that my personal favorite, Jace Fabres, Jace Fabres, however you want to pronounce it, <laughs> announced that he is going to return for the 2021 basketball season taking advantage of some extra eligibility. Shortly thereafter, Andrew Jones made his announcement that he'd be running it back as well. In the midst of all that, Texas picked up not one, not two, but three big-time players in the transfer portal. Utah forward Timmy Allen, Kentucky guard Devin Askew, and Creighton forward Christian Bishop, who all were some of the big prizes in the transfer portal Um and then Chris Beard announced his entire coaching staff. So uh, Chris Ogden as the managing director, former head coach of UT Arlington. Uh, Jarence Howard was the lead recruiter at Kansas. Rodney Terry as uh, associate head coach who was the former head coach of UTEP. And then Yorick Mulligy was named an assistant coach who uh, was a lead recruiter at Tech. Uh, I was on Larry Brown's SMU staff in one of uh, ESPN's. Uh, forty under forty basketball coaches. So, uh, big time moves for the basketball team. Kyle, in a week full of craziness, what jumped out to you, man? Where
1: do we want to start, Gerald? This is not the place that I should start, but this is why you are the the I don't know the 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 neutral good, and I am the chaotic evil of this podcast. Um, because I'm going to take us here. Where should we start? Well, that staff you just mentioned. There's also um. John Riley announces the strength and conditioning coach, which you know effectively ended, I think, Andrea Hoody's time with, with the University of Texas, which I was sad about. We've texted about it off air. We're both displeased with that. But I don't want to start us on a downer. The fifth uh, member of the staff that was announced was Bob Donawald Jr., and that's probably the one that has flown the most under the radar for folks. Um, no one's really talking about that because you're talking about some of the elite recruiters in the country. Guys... I beg you, I pray you not to sleep on Bob Jr., Mr. Mister Donowall Jr. Of course, his dad, Bob Sr., um, a longtime Mac head coach uh, known in the Midwest, uh, Jr., um, played his college for his dad at Western Michigan, and then has just literally been everywhere that you could go in basketball, um, He coached for the Leicester Riders and Derby Storm in the BBL. That's the British basketball and also the Greater London Leopards, Leopards in the British Basketball League. And then came to the NBA. He's coached for the Hornets, um, both Charlotte and New Orleans variety, the Cavs. Um, and then he decided to go a little bit uh, abroad. He went uh, to Brazil and then Ukraine, came back to UAB for a year. But the best part of this, this is where it gets really interesting to me. Around the turn of the, the the last decade, 2010, he went to China. So in 2009, after Yao Ming took control of the Shanghai Sharks, he appointed somehow uh, his boy, Bob Donwall Jr., as the head coach. He did such a good job that he was then appointed the head coach of the Chinese national team. We talked a lot about Shaka Smart's connections with, with being a youth coach member or youth coach of the of the team usa we're talking about the yao ming's direct appointment the tap on the shoulder to be the coach of the chinese national team he coached the shanghai sharks for two years the uh yang flying tigers uh as is as well as a couple other european stops before uh landing immediately at texas tech and now texas um Gerald, give me your immediate thoughts on, on the fifth coach announced on our, our, our coaching staff here.
0: Um, I mean, thinking of, like when you look at the whole coaching staff holistically, not just the one coach that Kyle did his random deep dive on, there was a lot of talk about Texas opening up the purse strings for the football team. Mm-hmm. And this is the same thing that happened. We just don't know the names as well because it's uh, basketball coaching and recruiters. Like, you think about, um, like, Jarence Howard, who is – a knock like he's he was the lead recruiter at Kansas right so when you think about all of the guys that Kansas can draw Howard was the guy that that did it and so you think of you think about all the recruiters that Texas has on the staff that they're paying a million dollars to a tight ends and special teams coach because he's a recruiter same thing goes for coach Howard on the basketball side of things um, and so like the fact that Texas is putting its money where its mouth is. If you're going to move on from Shaka Smart, which let's be honest, we know this was a mutual breakup. This wasn't Shaka really leaving. So like if you're gonna move on from Shaka Smart and you're going to value winning more, then this is how you do it. Is again, you pay for the best, and, and that sounds really super elitist, but Pay for the best, and, and uh, I don't know about the the strength and conditioning coach change. I know obviously, um, Coach Beard wants to have his guy, but when you talk about the best, uh, Andrea Hootie is probably the best in the business. But um, there is a lot of there's a lot of recruiting talent, a lot of recruiting clout, and a lot of coaching clout in this group, and we see it with the three guys that they picked up from the portal. Like there's a lot to be said about the instant impact of Beard and his coaches.
1: Yeah, and, and recruiting rankings are tough. Portal rankings might be even tougher. Uh, it's hard to rank all the people. It's also constantly changing. But ESPN did try, and to their credit, I think they're the only ones who have really tried to comprehensively rank every player in the portal. The three players that UT got were all in the top twenty-five players available in the porter in the portal. Excuse me. Um, and uh, Timmy Allen was was in their top three. Uh, I think they had. Christian Bishop from Creighton at number 13 and Devin Askew at, at number 22. And again, just the note on, on Devin Askew is that he basically started 20 games for Kentucky. One of the biggest programs in the country as a 17 and then 18 year old um last year because he he reclassified due to covid he should have been in this upcoming recruiting class so basically he's like another five-star recruit he was the number one point guard in this 2021 class before he reclassified so imagine another five-star recruit the best point guard top 10 player in this class effectively coming over he's number 22 because it's all potential you know we'll see what beard is able to use him as but i mean the the, the two bigs are are great great gets in both forwards bishop uh and allen and, and i mean you could see in andrew jones and timmy allen accounting for 50 percent of ut's points next year i mean again there's still pieces probably to be added um but this guy was an all you know first team pack 12 and you saw how good they did in the tournament actually surprised there but first team pack 12 who just you know put points up um a really versatile kind of he's not a three-point shooting wing but a, a guy who just gets to the rim and finishes um loves to move backdoor cut just you know does all kinds of different shots around the rim but uh but yeah i mean basically gerald we traded what i think two quarterbacks and a defensive end for a uh, a bowl win and, and now our, our potential leading scorer next season i'd say we came out net neutral
0: i mean it feels like that's that's okay now granted The quarterback situation and the defensive end situation are still up in the air. But yeah, um, Timmy Allen is a heck of a player. This gives me questions or it leaves me with questions about Chris Beard's approach to playing the game of basketball because Bishop makes sense, right? He's a, he's a rim protector. He's a big man. He led the big East in, in block shots last year. I think he averaged a block of games. So like that makes sense for what Chris Beard tries to do. You know, the, the the deny the inside foreshoot outside kind of defensive strategy that he's made his name on uh, at Texas tech. And so, You know, Timmy Allen is not necessarily that guy, and so I'm curious to see what that looks like for this for this offense uh, next year, and for this team going. And again, if we've we've talked about it, he said in his in his opening press conference that his brand is winning, and so if that means he's going to change the way he plays basketball, (laughs) I'm fine with that. And some of some of the roster moves are are indicative that there may be a little bit of a, a shift. You know, his defensive coach stayed at Texas Tech and is going to be continuing that, so maybe there is a schematic shift, and so. Uh, that that to me is is still a big question. It's like, what does it look like with Chris Beard moving forward? Now we do know a couple of guys that they won't have. Um, Kian Jiri and Imara and Ellis both um, joined David Joplin, flipping to Marquette, heading to uh, to join Shaka. Because Shaka was well, you know, the guy who who recruited them there. Uh, that leaves actually all of <laughs> Shaka's guys that are out on the uh, on the 2021 class. Uh, Beard added one. As he came in, but still, that's a bit a bit of a gut punch to a class I was looking pretty strong ahead of uh, national signing day or after national signing day.
1: Yeah, Tamar Bates hasn't said where he's gone, but there's some big names after him. But the other three went straight to Shaka, and, and a top ten class is basically a race. Again, I think um, with their first pickup is, I think Tyson is is just as good, if not. I don't want to say better. I don't want to be revisionist, um, but just as good as anyone in that class. Um, and we'll see what else they do. I think, I think Beard is currently sleeping about 30 minutes a day and fighting battles on, on every front and both recruiting and transfer portal. But again, that's why you get all those incredible heavy hitters on the staff so that they can go do that. But I think you might still see, um, uh, another name uh, or two in this class if possible with what's still out there nationally and the recruiting side of things um but yeah i mean like you mentioned shaka brought all his recruits he brought everyone he, he brought uh cody hat nevada smith and and neil barry all to marquette i mean he, he basically recreated everything about texas uh as far as staff and who, who he liked there uh up there so it's, it's interesting you know i i i give credit Tashaka for his loyalty, um, but it, it will certainly be curious to watch how that plays out. Basically, lifting and shifting, uh, you know, a good chunk of your 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 program over over to uh, a different school. So maybe it'll just be the the fans in the stands will change everything. I don't know, but um, but yeah, it's uh, it, it's it's very interesting basketball offseason. I don't remember ever being this. Well, I'll say this has never been this interesting and this many moving pieces and this exciting and this you feel like if you are away from the internet for five minutes you're behind like it's it's you go work out and you come back and and three news articles have dropped it's crazy
0: yeah, I mean, we knew it would be explosive, especially with uh, the NCAA changing its rules about the the transfer. We'll talk about that. That's my bang the drum this week. Spoiler alert. Uh, so we'll talk about, you know, the transfer rules were we people entered the portal anticipating this, and especially people taking advantage of the extra year of eligibility due to COVID. Like, we knew this would be a wild offseason. And Texas is in, an, in a spot to uh, capitalize on that. So some some players from this previous year that are still pending, uh, we don't have decisions from them yet, at least officially, Greg. Greg Brown, Courtney Ramey, Jericho Sims, and technically Matt Coleman, but if you know anything about what Matt Coleman has done with all of his Texas gear, uh, you know he's gone. He sold it all online. So uh, he's probably out, but Greg Brown, Courtney Ramey, and Sims all have decisions pending. So we'll see because, again, keeping Brown is would be huge, especially for what, what Beard is trying to do. Greg Brown has a lot of room to grow, but I think he could grow in a lot of the areas he needs to under Chris Beard and this new staff. I would be shocked if Jericho Sims stayed around, but you never know. You never know.
1: Yeah. It's, it it will be very interesting. Beard kind of hinted that there, there's still some, you know, decision to be, to be um, had there in his latest uh, press availability. So there will be decisions. They have to announce one way or the other. At some point you imagine has to be coming relatively soon. Um, Like you said, I, I think Coleman, is the least likely. I think Ramey would make the most sense, is the most likely. Um, But again, it's going to be different. It will affect who they're going after in the portal, how they shape the offense. Beard basically said this is all recruiting 100%. He's not thinking about the schemes, who's fitting where, whatever. It's just getting the pieces. He said that like making the basketball team out of it and how they play and what they do, that's the fun part, which I kind of like that 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 thinking, right? You get it and then you know, Greg Popovich, I've said on this podcast many times, is the greatest coach for a multitude of reasons, but in the history of basketball, and the reason forefront to that is understanding what you have in front of you and molding that into something and not being so, you know, rigid in your system and people have to fit because this is what I do, but understanding your people a what motivates and drives them, and B, understanding how to get the most and maximize that talent, even if it's completely different than what you did the year before. So if Beard's going to show a little Popovich in that in that sense, get the get the, the, the best, brightest, sharpest, most upside talent guys, knowing what he can you know, squeeze an extra 10% in the 110% out of these players and then kind of shape his system. I'm curious. I'm curious to see how that plays out. But uh, I think the, the returning Longhorns, the two that are back, are huge, both shooters, but it'll be curious to see if we get a big man or another ball handler or who, uh, comes out with what's remaining out there. It's, uh, it's very, very interesting times.
0: Absolutely. And, and basketball recruiting is kind of like high stakes, like craps almost. We kind of roll the dice on super talented kids that'll be there for a year. Uh, I'm interested to see if, if beard can get some, some, some tenured guys, uh, that are not kind of your, your, I'm going to jump to the league. Type folks, but again, a lot of these guys are coming to Texas to increase their uh, weekly, weekend, and week out cachet. So hopefully, they can make a name for themselves and get drafted. So we'll see. Uh, There's still, again, a lot of a lot of writing to be done on what the roster is going to be like next year. And uh, there's a lot in the portal. There's still some guys out there, and we'll find out what that looks like in the coming weeks. So Texas wrapped up its second scrimmage of the spring. This past Saturday, and Sark after the game said, you know, we improved week to week. We knew what we wanted to improve on player-wise and unit-wise. We're not where we need to be yet, but we knew this would be a big week developmentally. He called out some specific guys on, on both sides of the ball, but it, it talked about what the uh, the spring game is going to be. He's kind of creating a game-like atmosphere because he wants to see what the guys will look like and react to in a game situation. So it'll be two different teams. He feels like this the scoring is always weird, and I agree when you have like – off, you know first offense against first defense and then second offense versus second defense like it always gets super weird so it's going to kind of be a draft situation but just to see get the guys out there having fun and so Kyle what I want to ask from for you as we talk about the spring game is what's what's one thing you're going to be watching for just to get a, to get a, a read-on to get an understanding of to feel out prior to in an, an offseason where Texas is going to look to solidify itself to make a run in the big 12.
1: Well, look, I'll say this. I, I I, first and foremost want to watch the game and then read the injury report after and see no one on it, right? Everyone get out of here healthy. I'll be knocking on wood, rubbing rabbit's feet, praying to Jobu. We'll do whatever needs to be done. But uh, yeah, I, I really want everyone out of here healthy. But what we've been seeing from... Uh, the videos they're releasing and what we're hearing is they're, they're hitting I mean they are coming out and, and doing full contact and, and you know the, this isn't even with your your running backs with Bijan we've seen uh schooler you know chase him out and, and lay a hit on him and, and we've seen linebackers hit and, and receivers coming across the middle or you know expecting to get hit and I like it I, I like the intensity um obviously uh, I will be I will be curious because you know spring, in my opinion, I think in a typical year would favor the offense, right? You you have, um, you know, it's easier just to, to, to line up schoolyard, play jackpot, and make some things happen. Um, we have, you know, a good running back coming back. We're vetting in some new quarterbacks. We know what we have at receiver, but we're waiting to see who steps up. Um, so I, I am curious to see that, but I'm also desperately curious to see how the secondary – Um, linebackers sure and coverage as well but really how how our our secondary lines up a who the playmakers are going to be that matchup of of who our receivers are and who the playmakers are on offense and who's going to try to stop them and take that away um, on defense I mean Jaron Thompson has basically been looking like the starter at safety and then a guy who's takes some leaps up and a guy I'm really, really excited um, about Josh Thompson is a guy who you've been hearing just a ton of buzz coming out of camp. Um, he may have a hammy issue where we'll see if he plays um, in the, uh, in the actual spring game TBD, but um, has been a guy who's just been moving up the respect of, of the new coaching staff uh, a lot. And then again, on, on the offensive side of the ball, who is the receiver it feels like there's a lot of whittington talk um and, and respect going on there um, i i still you know am, am very curious about what a fully like realized you know uh jake smith josh moore duo looks like with those guys interchangeable running uh, routes where they're crossing through each other, and, and again the quarterback's being able to get the ball on the hands of those receivers. I think Cavanti Dixon is a guy who we like the ability to take the top off. I mean, there's just there's there's a lot of what ifs, and I want to see who steps up because Sark put it kind of nicely. We'll, we'll talk baseball later, but he said, you know, there's there's home run hitters with it who just go out and, and hit home runs, and and you know bat two hundred and then you have guys who hit singles and doubles uh and hit three fifty and, and, and you have to have a balance of, of, of each of those and you can't say you just like all of one versus the other. So who's gonna be our home run hitters and and, and, and can we find the ultimate unicorn of a home run hitter who could still hit four hundred, you know, the aka the Ivan Melendez of uh of the, the receiving core. So that's what I'll be watching.
0: Two of the units I'm gonna be watching really closely are still kind of a work in progress because Offensive line, obviously that's what I'm going to watch because that's what I always watch. But, like, Kerstetter being out with the injury and still rehabbing, you don't necessarily know what that group is going to look like. But you can probably get an indication of who the other four guys are going to be at least. Um where I'm, I'm really excited to see what Jake Majors looks like out there because from the videos that we're seeing from practice, mm. uh, dude is playing way, way, way above what a, what a redshirt freshman should be playing at, especially um, as far as body control and creating seams and things like that, using his body subtly to make uh, plays happen. So I'm really excited to see him. Um, receiver, again, there's still a lot to be left, we know. That Troy O'Meary is still on the mm-hmm. mend. He's not still full contact. And then, uh, if you're following recruiting, there's a Michigan wide receiver that may be joining Texas that would somehow jump to be the fastest guy on the team instantly when he gets here. So uh, we still don't know what the receiver room is going to look like. But the what I'm really really wanting to see is what the offense looks like. The offensive line looks like schematically because Sark called it out after the the. The second scrimmage is that there's a lot that they put on the offensive line as far as protections and coverage and shifts in communication and that's really where that this unit has to grow he said and so um, there's been a philosophical change from that point as well as a philosophical change from like body type that where um, the previous regime had more slim guards and, and uh, bigger bodies on the outside now that's that's reversed where you saw the guys who were presumably playing guards all bulk up to like 325, 330 and the, the center or the, the tackles are down to 300 so i'm curious what that looks like from a schematic standpoint and i think linebacker is still a a, a question
1: mm-hmm.
0: be, it just it's going to be a question until we can finally get a get away from the, the ghost of DeGabriel gabriel floyd where texas can finally get some depth there there are a lot again looking at and seeing what tyler owens if he gets some snaps at linebacker, what he's going to look like, because that's a move that you and I have been advocating for, and anybody that really knows uh, what Big 12 football has been advocating for for the last two years, and so I'm curious to see him as well. That's something that I might have an eye on.
1: Yeah, and, and I think uh, another name that you've heard Sark mention, and I think every one of his media availabilities, and I think he likes his work ethic, and I hope it translates into the field and also translates better than his dancing abilities, if you saw the, the video they posted, I think, two days ago. Uh, but David Benda is a guy who's getting reps with Juwan Mitchell moving out. He's a guy who is stepping up in kind of a vocal leadership role, is really just 110, according to Sark, you know, selling out with effort out there and may just you know earn himself some minutes and then you look at the transfer guys they, they mentioned ray thornton is just coming in and, and being a leader kind of immediately with the team he might be more of an edge rusher than a linebacker but um it'll be curious because there's a lot of good linemen and finding that perfect um rotation in, in coach k's um kind of lineup i mean it's going to be interesting with the interior three that will probably play two but rotate out of keandre morrow and and of course, big little Al, um, and then you know who's coming off the edge and, and, and getting sacks. I mean, it's it's not easy to replace the production of a Joseph Osai, but you know they're going to have to probably do that by committee. But I think you know when you talk linebackers, you also talk defensive line as kind of the unit and and how they're going to do things. So I think you're you're spot on, and I'll just piggyback and say if you're watching that, I'll watch one down, and I'll watch the the, the big guys up front. Um, you, you watch the offensive line, I'll watch the defensive line. We'll cover it all.
0: Sounds good to me. So <laughs> Texas. Again, they're going to be like picking teams and playing a game, which will be fun. But the spring game is on Saturday at one o'clock on Longhorn Ever. You can check it out. Kyle will have Kyle and I will have a recap of that for you on your podcast feed on Tuesday.
1: Today's episode is brought to you by Cars.com.
0: that brings us to the part of the show where we do a whip around coverage of all the other incredible things that are happening on campus. And we down the 40. So the big news, I think there's a couple of big news on this on the top end number four, volleyball swept right state. We figured that would happen. And then beat Penn state number 13 and number five, Nebraska, both three, one to move on to the final four. When they played Penn state, it looked a little, um, a little dicey early, they blew uh they they gave up like a 2-6 to 1 runs in that first Set to to fall behind, uh, one nothing, and then won three in a row. Uh, Nebraska was hotly contested every, but they they came out on top, three one. Three one doesn't give a true indication of how competitive and how tight that was. I until they until they pulled away, like they were up four. They were like up like twenty to sixteen in the final. What turned out to be the final set, and that's when I finally like unclinched. <laughs> that's really for me where it was like I, I sh- you can't put anything past that Nebraska team.
1: In, in, in home court, Nebraska, right? I mean, they, they had the advantage. I think they said it a couple times on the broadcast, but there's never been a, a um, an NCAA tournament played in Omaha that Nebraska wasn't in the Final Four. This would be the first time that they didn't make it to the Final Four, and most of the time they make the championship game. They're very good, and they're very good at home. Um, this was a tough set of – this is a tough 24 hours, basically, for uh, Texas to go through two really good big uh, 10 teams, right? Penn State is – one of the most talented teams in the country. They haven't put it all together, but just their roster has so much talent. So when they got through that one, I thought, you know, there's that quick turnaround going to pull them down with with Nebraska. But I mean, there were a couple players who just played out of their skull in, in this one. There was multiple players. Um, obviously, Logan Eggleston is the star and she was incredible. She followed up 22 kills and eight digs with 18 kills, five blocks, four digs and, and a career high five aces just to, to get serving. Um, they, they really tried to get, Nebraska out of their rhythm by, you know, serving kind of heaters, only heaters, uh, Adam, that led to some some more serving errors than we see from UT. But uh, Skyler Fields has been so good. And when we think about Logan Eggleston and we say, I think it's if, if you if you have any interest in Texas volleyball and you don't skip this part of the podcast, you're aware the Big 12 Player of the Year, a, a very, very likely, I'd say probable, All-American potential to represent the U.S. national team likely um is one of the best players in in the country the, you could say the world right now right so you ex- I hate to say it but you expect that elite and greatness from her Skyler Fields is a sophomore and she is getting better and better and better and better and you look at Nebraska who always has big just outside hitters who who are incredible and just the size that and and in, in force and power that UT had from, from their outside pins and, 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 and even their, their middle hitters, um, they just looked like a physical, another dimension that UT had that, that Nebraska did. Nebraska was great. They, they, when they got in their sets and even, you know, our arch nemesis, Lexi son who left us oh. and we're still kind of mad about, but uh, you know, they have, they have talent all over. Yeah, I know. I know they have talent all over that team. Um, they could, that, that could have been a national championship team. And and so the fact that it, with adversity, having to play two really good be- Big Ten teams in back-to-back nights and Texas came through, winning 3-1 in both of them, makes me a little bit tingly and a little bit giddy. And I think that, that slight nauseating feeling of optimism is creeping in, and, and I don't like it.
0: That felt like a national championship game, the way those two teams were playing. And it's really unfair for... Texas to have a front line that features like Eggleston Fields and then Asia O'Neill right and, like and, and Brian Butler let's
1: not like yeah Brian Butler yeah yeah Brian yeah,
0: Butler, yeah. yeah. Butler is gonna do I, <laughs> she she spiked it into a girl's face <laughs> in in toward the end of the Nebraska... like it just felt like it felt like the the judge laying down the gavel, like this is your sentence, and <laughs> it's going off of your face, like you sent you to death. Um, but like Asia O'Neill was like a, yeah. a, a massive highlight in that Penn State game yeah. um, for her the defense that she plays and she's just a really instinctual hitter. Like, and so it was just impressive watching that front line operate and hit from all over. And you talked about the eight, the, the, the service errors. And it's a, it's a weird situation with the service errors, right? Cause Jared Elliott, you know, he said, don't worry about the errors if we get aces, mm-hmm. but they were, they had like a, you know, a, a one to three aces to errors ratio. in that those last couple of um, those last couple of matches. And so it's, it's almost like you think about like a, a gunslinger in the old west pulling off their trigger <laughs> guard to, for a faster draw. Like, <laughs> is it worth it if you're going to shoot yourself in the foot three times? To- you know, every three times. And so that's. But again, we we don't have national championship trophies, Kyle. We don't have, <laughs> have national player of the year trophies. Correct. So Jared Elliott knows more than we do. Yes. Like, giving away nine points in rally scoring is a big deal.
1: Yeah, yeah, I, I completely agree. And and uh, the one thing uh, I will say is is. Um, we talked about the bigs. I, 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 we didn't talk about Molly Phillips who who even like to have someone like her who can pop in and and be elite and then pop right back out. Loved it. Um, but you know, I thought Jenna Gabriel was just unreal. Um, and, and she, she, all of those hitters that you have, she is the point guard to put it in basketball terms, but the linchpin (laughs) that sets up how they're going to attack time and again. Um, and, and I really thought, um, so Morgan O'Brien was a, like a, A very good Big Ten player at Illinois. She was a transfer this year, um, defensive specialist. She hadn't got to play her old Big Ten foes all season. Well, um, we can report live on air that after playing Penn State and now Nebraska, they will be playing their third consecutive uh, of the Big Ten's murderer's row uh, as she and the Longhorns get to take on, again, the third consecutive Big Ten team, number one, uh, Wisconsin on Thursday.
0: Yeah, they that another game, another match that felt like it could have been a national championship was that Wisconsin Florida. They won all five and they battled, man. It was nuts. But yeah, Texas will take on number one Wisconsin on Thursday evening. And you all better tune in if you listen to this podcast, you love more than just football. So you better tune in. Number three, baseball goes two nothing over Nevada and then sweeps Abilene Christian, pushing the win streak to 13 games. So a four to three win on Tuesday and a six to five win on Wednesday over Nevada, which Nevada is a scary good team, uh, really really good. Uh, Texas starters kind of struggled; uh, the midweek arms weren't weren't where they needed to be. But over the weekend, Texas exercised some demons against Abilene Christian, eighteen um, nothing on Friday, three to one on Saturday, and then they called the game early on Sunday because Abilene needed to drive back to Abilene, eleven to one in seven.
1: Uh, I I joked that they outscored him thirty two to three, which was you know the inverse I think of the turnover numbers in the basketball game. But the the Friday night game against Abilene Christian, coming off of one of the like biggest upsets in UT school history, when you know a, a top ranked UT team got the Cinderella, you know upset of the, uh, there were many, Fortunately, to drown out, or would have been one of the all-time upsets in the the March Madness uh, just a few months later, and what did those players do? Well, by God, they took it personally. They scored in every single frame, which I've never actually, I don't know if I've seen a Texas team do, while also pitching a shutout. They went just about two runs per inning and 18 to zero uh I mean they they looked like they weren't done they were up like 11 to zero you know early on and they just wanted more and they wanted more they they really wanted to rub the dog's nose into it and and it just reminds you that folks you may be tempted and I know a lot of our you know Aggie and and Sooner fans listen to this to get just Meaning in their life, right? Because they, we are the fulcrum of which they balance the meaning of their life off of. Um, but you may be tempted to take your wrist and rotate downward with the horns, and you see here that it always comes back to bite you. So the 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 butt kickings that ensued after that just felt so cleansing and so cathartic and. I hate that, that, that Shaka had to be, Gerald correct me, the soul stone um that was uh that was sacrificed in order to uh to cleanse and get our baseball championship national championship team um fully. They had to sacrifice Shaka and his death through his power and energy and spirit gives us the full gauntlet on Ivan Melendez's giant glove to uh to lead this team that I just assume they've won thirteen in a row, we'll never lose again uh until uh until Omaha.
0: Coming to you next fall, Kyle's narrative podcast, I Ivan Melendez's giant glove. So so Texas heads down to San Marvelous on Tuesday to take on Texas State in the little midweek matchup before hosting number 24, Oklahoma State, for a three-game series over the weekend. You can catch all of that on ESPN New at U and then Big 12 now on ESPN. The way that they're relegating Big 12 baseball to ESPN Plus is just absolutely, absolutely Atrocious, but on the recruiting side, real quick, uh, Texas picked up a commitment from 2023 right-hand pitcher and third baseman Cole Selvig, who at um at 16 years of age has a fastball touch at 91. So uh, he also has a curveball and a changeup in that repertoire. Perfect game has him rated at a 9.5, which on their one to ten scale, with a ten being a top MLB prospect, he's uh pretty high up there. So. We'll see if he makes it to campus, but at least for right now, it looks good for 2023.
1: Yeah, the, the guys who are that good when you when you give those stats, it's like, man, remember when when he uh, committed to UT before being drafted like seventh overall or fourth overall and, and skipping college entirely. But hey, come on, Cole. I, I appreciate it. I love it. I love your association with, again, the best baseball team in the country. Obviously, come on down. He's Wisconsin, right? He's from somewhere up north. Come on down. He is from
0: Wisconsin. We'd love, love, love to have you. On the hard surface, the tennis team decided to hoist a couple of championship belts this weekend with number two women's tennis sweeping the TCU Horn Frog 7-0 to claim the Big 12 regular season title. Their third consecutive conference title got a Jordan 23 of them. Overall, their only loss of the year coming to number one UNC and men's tennis had a four-one win over Texas Tech, so they can claim their share of the Big Twelve title as well. They're actually tied with Baylor and TCU, second consecutive one for the fellas. Twenty-two one behind the ladies overall.
1: Absolutely, and both teams will uh, ended up claiming. I think they went to the uh, the ITA rankings as the tiebreaker. I love. Big 12 tiebreaker rules. They went to ITA rankings uh, for the tiebreaker. So UT men as well, even though in a three-way tie, got the number one overall seed for the Big 12 Conference Tournament, which means both teams will get a bye uh, in the first round this weekend of the Big 12 Tennis Conference Tournament taking place in Waco.
0: Number 16, women's golf, started their chase for their fourth consecutive Big 12 title Sunday. Not going as well as we'd hoped. After a couple of rounds, they're sitting at fifth overall seven under Oklahoma state is just absolutely on a tear, uh, dropped an 18 under in the second round. Now they're 16 strokes ahead of everybody else. So they may be on pace to set a record, but we'll see how it works out uh, over the coming days.
1: No, they'll never catch Texas in that 2019 team 37 strokes, uh, to their next closest challenger. But that type of, uh, big 12, Tournament propels the team and, and makes me think Oklahoma State might have some national tournament implications, but that's okay. The men will uh, compete next week in the Big 12 uh, conference tournament as well, but hey, there's still 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 a little time for the ladies to, to get back up in there. I think they can maybe get to a second or third place finish. They're just a couple strokes off the rest of the pack. In some
0: sad news, uh, number seven got swept out of the entire series against number one, Oklahoma. They got run rules in all three games, which is just on a team that's that's on 13, I think, run rules on the season, um, not putting up. I think they put up, what, like five total runs all weekend, which yeah. is just not not great. Patty Gasso said at the head of the season that this might have might be their best team of all time, and she would. She's had a couple of really good ones, um, and I thought it was bluster. But watching them this weekend, like she she might actually be telling the truth.
1: I was all ready to call her petty gaslight, but no, she uh, Patty Patty Gasso again. If you're not familiar, the OU uh, women's softball coach is uh, is got a an unreal one. Like te- Texas came in softball came in on a ten game win streak into this, so they were they were just on a roll, on fire, and again they did. They weren't. I hate to say it. They weren't close in any of these. Lick your wounds, rally from it. The season ain't over. You're still a top ten team. This is not the end of anything. You uh, may not win the Big Twelve, but that doesn't mean that you can't. Uh, you can't get a crack at them. You know, uh, beat them. Beat them in the national championship game, and then and then who really wins? Here's the thing. Try to get on the other side of the bracket from
0: them. Hopefully somebody else knocks them off. Like I'm not, I'm not ashamed to say that if somebody else beats them and Texas hoists a, tro- ho- hoists a trophy, I do not care in the slightest bit. Like I don't care. Somebody UCLA beat them, do it. Oregon <laughs> beat them, do it. I don't care. I like, get them out. Like they're just again, I overstated how many runs they scored. Three runs yep, yep, on the weekend. 11 Eleven one, ten to two, and nine to nothing. All in five innings. Golly. It sucks. They will also uh, take on Texas State in a midweek matchup before hopefully getting back to the swing of things against Kansas, keeping Texas's uh, Sunflower State shutdown running. Number five and number seven men's track both remain in the top ten. Not in action this weekend, but they're going to head to Baton Rouge over the weekend to take on uh, to take a part of the LSU alumni gold. LSU, one of the other kind of cream of the crop track teams in the country. So it'll be a fun weekend this weekend. Number two, rowing received a school record nine of the 25 first place votes this week, continuing to uh, just add to the Texas acclaim at everything uh, that seems to just basically not be football or basketball at this point in our lives. But they're going to host the Longhorn invitational featuring SMU, Alabama, Notre Dame, and Oklahoma this week.
1: That was a lot of beautiful top 10 Texas on the DT40 right there again. Almost everyone, uh, women's golf at 16, is really making us look bad here. Everyone else, we have a 2, a 5, a 7, a 7, a 2, uh, a 3, and a 4 we just talked about. Those are a lot of good low numbers. But let's move it on, Gerald, to part of the section we take a look at the, the, the rest of the world. Some burnt orange lenses on. Gerald, big news, um, two huge huge stories this week i didn't know which one to put first i'm going to take my sentimentality and and lead with with this one um but uh Lamarcus aldridge a a, a longhorn great um a a player i would i would argue one of the most kind of unlucky and and underrated he's all the uns undulated no not really but un, un, underrated underappreciated stars of his era. I don't think he ever really got the credit because he never won the championship, but uh, just ends a a really wonderful, really um, close a couple times. Again, you're a I'm a Spurs fan, I will admit that. But Azaza Patchouli a cheap shot away from dethroning the the unbeatable uh, warriors en route to a a a Spurs championship with that Kawhi team and potentially another dynasty. There's all kinds of things that could have broken. Does does he you know get one more piece? Does Brandon Roy not have injury issues? And that Portland team is able to to get a run uh, with with the pieces they have. Uh, does he win one this year? If he doesn't have he retired uh, because of some health issues, does he win this year with with the with the Brooklyn uh, squad that they had assembled up there with with Pal and fellow Longhorn Kevin Durant? It just it it, it didn't ever break fully LaMarcus's way but that didn't stop him from having uh, a truly fantastic NBA career and uh, we salute him and wish him all the best in his future endeavors
0: absolutely LaMarcus is the part of the biggest what if in Texas basketball history Um, and he just again retires after a really illustrious career Um, a guy who again probably didn't get all the accolades that he should and deserve but we're glad that he, uh, he represented the University of Texas really really well
1: yeah and, and and just specifically it, it was something that he had earlier in his career and I remember I think we've talked about it on this podcast but he had an irregular heartbeat um and I think he had an, an issue early in his career with the with a heart arrhythmia or something related as well so it was something that you don't play around with he he was he said it's it was the the scariest thing he's ever experienced so it, it, that was kind of what uh what called the end to it but the sad thing is he was he was basically three games two games from from the 20,000 uh point career point milestone, which is like you start talking about um hall of fame. There has never been a single player who scored twenty thousand points in the history of the NBA who didn't make the Hall of Fame. So in your mind, Gerald, I don't think you have to hit that, but it, it is a marker typically of success, like the the certain number of hits in baseball or, you know, they have their thresholds. Um is Lamarcus Aldridge a Hall of Famer to you, Joe?
0: He seems like he is. Like it—that's not just with my burn orange glasses on because the burn orange lenses, right? But he feels like a guy who, in an era that's been defined by uh, the game changing, he feels like he was kind of on the front end of that, where you saw your big men get a little bit longer, a little bit leaner, a little bit more athletic. Um, and so I—I I, I think he is again there. I, I wouldn't be mad about an argument either way, but I think um, he's a guy that you probably can't tell the story of his era without his name coming up at least once or twice, and that's always been kind of how I've defined uh, whether you're worthy of the Hall of Fame or not.
1: I'll tell you a couple more stats. He is he is uh, he's made seven. All-Star appearances. Only one player in NBA history has made 7 All-Star games and not been in the Hall of Fame. He's he's been 5 times All-NBA. If he would have made one more, there's never been a player who's made 6 of those who didn't make the Hall of Fame. So if you're going to deny, deny LaMarcus, then you're basically saying because you played in a small market and didn't win a championship, uh, then you, then that's that's the the criteria for the Hall of Fame. So I will be I will be leading the charge. I will be leading the the LaMarcus Hall of Famer, uh, charged to join, uh, our, our, our UT Mount Rushmore, Slater Martin, and obviously Kevin Durant, when he gets there, uh, as horns in the hall. And obviously PJ Tucker will be there for the, the shoe, um, wing that is, that is off the back. Um, <laughs> but yeah, it, it, it is, uh, one less Longhorn in the NBA. So let's, let's get, uh, let's get some guys drafted here, Coach Beard. And speaking of getting Players drafted into professional basketball associations. Gerald, we had a pretty big deal happen this week. Longhorn great. Longhorn basketball great. The first ever basketball player associated with the University of Texas to do this. Charlie Collier. Again, the first basketball player. I don't need a gender in there. The first basketball player in school history to be drafted. Number one overall. Gerald, how excited were you for Charlie? Charlie.
0: I'm super excited, and as soon as the jersey drops, I'm gonna order that. And I still haven't ordered my orange WNBA hoodie. That was an incredible hoodie. I need to get that. Six first round, first round pick for Texas. since the draft uh, started. But like seeing her, seeing her represent the university and her family, um, it's just absolutely incredible. Seeing somebody who's been exemplary, exemplary of what. It should mean to be a student athlete at the University of Texas, push through adversity and and maintain positivity. Coaching changes and all of that. Like she's just a class class act, and I'm glad to see her stay in the state um, and play for uh, play for. I guess are, are we are we Dallas fans now, Kyle? Like is that is that fair to say?
1: I am fully willing to be i have a a hard embargo on on all dallas sports teams but i'm i am willing to to lift that i know you're a lifelong stars fan gerald so you're already there but uh i'm willing to lift my dallas teams embargo for for charlie i don't want to uh, we have a couple other players in the wmb i don't want to short shrift them but it is exciting you get a number one pick it feels like we have to We're, we're gonna have to be uh dallas wings Dallas Wings fans, yeah.
0: I mean, after after the Stars left San Antonio for Las Vegas, like we kind of had to. We're, we've been we've been men without a WNBA team for four years, Kyle. So we need something.
1: Uh, I completely agree with that. I was I was a, obviously a, a dogged Silver Spurs fan, but the uh, the important thing is is again that we keep getting first round picks. That six the women's side, eighteen in the first round. But I was I was surprised. We've had nine top 10 picks for basketball, including multiple number two picks. LaMarcus, we just mentioned him. Obviously, Kevin Durant. We must have like a dozen number twos because we had four in baseball, never a a number one. Football has, you know, all of these number twos and threes. Um, But only again, when you take every sport into consideration, the fifth number one pick. Earl, Nobis, Kenneth Sims, Charlie. Do you know the fifth Gerald? She has been on this podcast.
0: Cat Osterman. That's
1: correct. Cat Osterman is the the, the fifth. Uh, So um, just keep adding to those numbers. All coaches on UT, that's the mandate. Get the talent, nurture it, put it into the league, respectively. All right, let's keep talking a little bit of basketball, but off the court, Joanne Alan Taylor, someone we love on this this podcast, lovingly called the JAT, uh, J-A-T, that is. She's named the Big 12 Women's Basketball Scholar Athlete of the Year, the first uh, UT women's basketball player to receive the award since they started giving, I think, in 2013. And that's just because, you know, so she finished her junior year. She made the Dean's List in um, mechanical engineering, no big deal, um, and did all that while, um, you know, just playing Playing a lot of minutes, Uh, playing, I believe the number was 35.4 minutes per game, the second highest average ever in the history of UT women's basketball. So somewhere, when not running up and down both ends of the court and draining three, she found time to excel in the mechanical engineering. This is a good one. I like this story.
0: I could barely handle being a student and like interning and like, I didn't have to travel for that. So like imagine being a mechanical engineering student, which is engineering school at the university of Texas is absolutely insane. Mechanical engineering. I had, a, I had a, I had a roommate that was an aerospace engineer for a minute and I was like, Nope, I'm going to make movies. Um, so like <laughs> it's, it's nuts to see that. and It's just absolutely, absolutely incredible. Um, to 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 witness and and we're so proud of her we we, she's a we're we're a fan of hers and hopefully she's a fan of ours
1: i I love it we got to get her on the podcast one day joanne i know you listen to this come on we'd love to have you um so gerald let's move it to some other amateurs who are just absolutely excelling uh in all areas men's golf pearson cootie became the world's top ranked amateur last week that's 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 hard to do. There's only one of those uh, at a time, and he's it. Uh, the two-time All-American. He was a, a 2021 team All-American. Uh, has has been on fire lately. Uh, one, I think his last four tournaments, he's got three. Uh, or excuse me, four straight top three finishes. Uh, one, one uh, had a couple runner-ups. Just has been absolutely on fire. He's done it at all levels. Uh, ut golf whether they win all national championships or not keep again produce them to excel in the 40 excel at the next level you'll see a trend here we talked about speed at the masters keep an eye on pearson cootie in the future gerald how many strokes would you lose to pearson cootie by
0: um what is the maximum number of strokes <laughs> that you could take on a on a hole of golf
1: how about this gerald how close could you get to him on we golf
0: what is the maximum number of holes <laughs> okay, <laughs> right. you can take?
1: All right, fair <laughs> enough, fair enough. That's fair. All right, oh. my
0: hand, Kyle. When you ask my handicap, my handicap is golf. Like that's that is <laughs> that is the story.
1: There. I, I'm I, I'm not particularly good, and I think he would legitimately beat me by by shot limit exceeded. Yes, yes, you're, you're right. He's very very good A member of the what the 2020 Arnold Palmer team and, and, and the upcoming Walker and Arnold Palmer Cups as well. But um, that's it. For the burnt orange lenses, let's switch it over to the screens now, Gerald. Our section called Godzillatron. What are you watching on your giant screen?
0: Uh, it was a, it was a, actually a weirdly streaming heavy week weekend for me. Uh, so I got my wife my. I, I talked about the show called Mythic Quest on Apple TV, and I started rewatching it. My wife like came in partway through an episode. There's a, a actor from another show she liked. She was like, "I want to watch this." And turns out it's not just for nerds. My wife, who is very much not a nerd, enjoyed it. So again, she's my gauge for like what normal people like. So if you want to look, it's like an office comedy built around nerdy stuff. So if you if you like office comedies, it might work for you. It's not one to watch with the kids. Um, it's by the people that did uh, It's Always Sunny. So like, there's some of that humor in there. But whatever, it's fine. Uh, Disney. Disney added one of my favorite things of all time. Um, Gendy Tartakovsky is a is a animation master, and so he did a like hand drawn uh, version of the Clone Wars on Disney Plus, and it has some of my favorite like, it's it's a bunch of like the like 90-second, three-minute vignettes, and it's got some really cool moments in it. So that's on uh, on uh, Disney+. Plus. I watched that kind of in the background while I was working on some other stuff. And then my youngest son is actually sick um, today, so I, I took a day off work, and I just – I'm trying to fill some gaps in, like, my, my old Disney stuff. And so The Black Cauldron came out in, like, 85, and I never watched it. Um, and, and I realized why my parents never let me watch it, because it is, like <sighs> – creepy af like it is really super creepy um it's really good the animation is really cool it's like a it's like a dark fantasy kind of thing but it starts off just swinging for the fences like lord of the rings style like grim dark stuff so it's it's not a light watch it definitely doesn't really vibe with like the other stuff disney was doing in the late 80s and early 90s which is probably why it didn't get um as Mm. famous as like the little mermaid or whatever
1: sure that's, uh, that's interesting, Jared. Usually there's something you talk about in your watch where I'm like, oh, yeah, I've seen that, or that's on my list. Um, maybe I need to get into the Mythic Quest because you told me there were some good episodes, and, and now that it has been approved by your very normal um, half of, of your, <laughs> your relationship, maybe I can jump in there. But otherwise, um, a bit over my head, but I'm all excited to, to, to see how our listeners feel and react. I was excited. So we had a couple listeners um respond last week after i talked about the death of the wing podcast and and say that they they binged it and enjoyed it and i again we always love and appreciate hearing from you on whatever medium you want to reach out to us on but also love to hear that that you love the podcast so i thought i might give a couple podcast recommendations quickly on what i'm listening to there again this is a godzilla tron screen section i'm taking liberties i'm cheating it's my podcast it's fine this is a podcast so you know we represent the art um First of all, Planet Money is the one podcast that probably never leaves my rotation. The two podcasts you should have downloaded are, of course, uh, Longhorn Republic, the Burn Origin Nation podcast. As you are listening to it. it, should never leave your your rotation ever. And Planet Money is just good. There's interesting stories, but also just keeping your uh, personal finance and the macro view of finance. It's just it's interesting and it's not too deep. They're short, digestible. Uh, again, always interesting. I listen to uh, a. a, a um, Crossover. They looked at the financial side of it, but a crossover episode um, from, I believe, the Sporkful, where they talked about a guy who invented the 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 um the newest shape of pasta. And I think they said it's like the first new shape of pasta in decades. Um, And and, uh, it looked interesting. He's, he's sold out because the podcast was so um, interesting and, and and was a hit. Um, But yeah, they, they did something Daryl, you would love. They looked at uh, comic books and how to get like these really low end. um, Once the, like they go into the public domain and they're no longer expensive and you can use the IP of them. And they, they like revived a like 1950s, like really campy, cheesy, comic book character to look at like the economic process of doing so so they do interesting things like that so that's my recommendation but my my closer to death at the wing like if you want just a i can listen to it they're going to tell me a story it's narrative it's interesting um there's a new one that i started listening to and it came off the same pushkin network that revisionist history is on and that's admittedly how i found it through malcolm gladwell but it's called deep cover and I just listened to their intro episode, but then immediately just subscribed to it. It seems really well told, but it's like a hard boiled detective novel who looks at the rise of drug culture and happened to like be in on the biker gang, like undercover, went deep, deep cover for years and like a biker gang. And this is his like talking to a journalist who captures this story. And the whole time you're like, is this true? Is he lying? This is wild. Like, A, that crap couldn't happen in these times and it's just it's 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 really well like narratively done again i'm I'm at the beginning but it's i'm looking forward to that and then uh, i think i've mentioned it on here as a final one i need to mention the screen if i haven't uh my wife again big car Uh, fan much bigger than me um, has has gotten me on the third season now of Formula One uh, Drive to Survive, I think it's called. Um, But it's actually great. You don't have to like Formula One. Obviously get a scene of Austin when they come to Austin. Um, But it's interesting. It's really well done. The same guy made like the Amy Winehouse documentary and Senna, one of the greatest sports documentaries. So check it out. Uh, Listen to the ones. Watch the one. uh, Or if you want to go dark, watch all of Gerald's. I
0: appreciate it, Kyle. That brings us to the part of the show where we honor one of the best traditions of all of college athletics, big birthday, and we bang the drum, brought to you by Joe Ruiz. So, Kyle, what are you banging the drum on this week?
1: I'm going to keep it brief because uh, a man who knows, as we said, more than, than each of us has already gone long and shown his true feelings and uh, and opinions on it. But Coach Elliott didn't really pull punches or hide the fact that he was unbelievably displeased about the seeding and 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 how the ncaa road to a championship was laid out for the texas longhorn volleyball team um they were given first of all a number four seed and he was obviously miffed at that because it set up a bracket again you heard me say they had to play penn state and nebraska back to back now a statistic that i found when researching this that i found wildly mind-blowing gerald there are only three teams outside of the state of California that have ever won a national championship in volleyball. Do you know what those three teams are or can you name any of those three?
0: Ooh, um, not off the top of my head, Kyle. I'm really, I'm really struggling with it.
1: One is Texas. Cause we've won one. Okay, Well,
0: that would make sense. Yeah. The,
1: uh, the, the second of these is Nebraska. Cause they've won one. And the other is Penn state. The only three teams that have ever won national championships that weren't from the state of California are Texas, Penn State, and Nebraska. These are your blue bloods. Texas came into this tournament close to 100 wins. With their win against Nebraska, today as we're recording this, they got their 100th NCAA tournament win in their 37th appearance. They have won championships before there was an NCAA tournament That existed. They won an NAIA national championship. They have been good for a long time. We think we are the Joneses in all of these sports. We are the Blue Bloods. But we are undoubtedly one of the Blue Bloods in volleyball. And somehow, Texas was given the. You know, uninvited party guest who shows up without a tie and is given a, a you know a, a seat in the back where no one can see them. The fact that they only lost one game and it was a fluke to Rice after playing a full season that almost no one else in the country did, dropping only a handful of sets the entire season. They had RPI rankings number two. Again, if you really want to dock them, you put them at number two. And they got a four seed. And then, again, with that, they now have to play the number one seed, Wisconsin, as their next game after playing literally the two blue blood national powers and one of them on their home court. And if they can do that, then this will go down almost as legendarily as the 1988 national championship. That was a legendary year, A, because it's the year I was born. B, it was a legendary (laughs) year. Because it is one of the only two times in the history of a national volleyball NCAA volleyball tournament where a team did not drop a set. That year, the University of Texas Longhorn went literally straight sets from their first game till their lifting of a trophy championship didn't drop a set. Now, they've already dropped two in their first three matches, so they're not going to match that. But this mountain that they've been set up to climb will be equally as rewarding if they can climb it. And you better believe I'll be tuning in Thursday to see what they can do.
0: The march to the championship will be well-earned this year if they can make it uh, through what is essentially the the murder bracket. I'm going to go real fast uh, on my Bang the Drum. I'm banging the drum this week on the NCAA getting it right. Once again, they've been doing this more and more often, but they're still pretty trash. Uh, the one-time no-penalty transfer is looking like it's going to become a reality. And so the NCAA putting athletes first is shocking to me in a thousand and one different ways, um, especially after like what they did to the women's basketball team this year in the tournaments. And that's a whole nother conversation for another day. But the, the NCAA allowing this to happen again, there's there, there can be conversations about like, would the kids be better off sticking it out and gritting it out? Maybe I don't know. Would what, is this going to create competitive imbalance for kids for places like Alabama? Right? Maybe I don't know. Whatever. But let the kids do what they think is best for them. If we all if these are truly amateurs, if these are truly athletes, that again they're not being paid for this at this point. And you can argue about compensation or whatever, but like if they're truly unpaid athletes, then they shouldn't be contractually obligated to a university. They should be able to freely go at least one time where they need to. Again, there's a lot of conversations to be had about should they stick it out? But there's also research that shows that like grit isn't always great. Cause like mountain climbers that rank highest on grit also rank highest on freezing to death at the top of a mountain. (laughs) So like there's research that shows both things can be true, but that's all we've got for you this week. Kyle,
1: Where can the good folks find you on the internet? You can find me burning my copy of Angela Duckworth's Grit, because Gerald just told her to stick that in her pipe and smoke it, on Twitter at Kyle Carpenter. You can also follow the Texas Pregamer on Twitter at Texas Pregamer.
0: You can follow me on Twitter at... G. H. Gitteridge. I'm not saying that grit is not good. I'm just saying be smart about it. <laughs> Don't be gritty when you should be quitty. Uh, you can also follow the show on Twitter at Longhorn Shoot us an email, longhornpod at gmail.com. Thank you so much for tuning in again this week. And until next time, hook 'em.
1: Hook 'em. Don't be gritty when you can be witty.